Welcome to the Cell Culture Dish Podcast, Successful Mesenchymal Stem Cell Manufacturing for Cell Therapy. I'm Brandi Sargent, editor of the Cell Culture Dish. Joining me today is Dr. Ross McDonald, Managing Director and CEO, Sonata Therapeutics. I wanted to start with a little bit of background, and I was hoping you could tell me uh, why mesenchymal stem cells are so attractive for cell therapy applications. I think the literature now is very, very clear that uh, mesenchymal stem cells, or as they're sometimes known, mesenchymal stromal cells, or some even mesenchymal lineage cells, it's clear that they uh, have a very profound immunomodulatory and immunocoordinating uh, function in the body. Uh, they seem to be the uh, an important co- coordinator, if you like, of many of the uh, functions of our immune system, in particular interactions on a cell-cell basis and um, through pleiotropic effects on the uh, various functional elements of the immune system. And that's now been borne out, I think, in, in uh, particularly early-stage clinical studies using MSCs derived from primary tissue sources such as bone marrow, for example, where in in some cases at least uh, the administration of MSCs have had a profound uh, clinical benefit in, for instance, diseases such as graft-versus-host disease, which, of course, is the uh, area in which uh, we are active clinically at the moment. With respect to manufacturing mesenchymal stem cells for cell therapy applications, what do you see as the key criteria for successful manufacturing? Well, really, it's a, it's a key criteria uh, or criterion for any pharmaceutical product. And that is, of course, for commercial success, one has to have a, a product that is safe and effective and, of course, has the ability to be able to be manufactured consistently and reproducibly at commercial scale. And if the ability to manufacture is absent or defective in some way, then we don't have a product. What we have is is an interesting piece of science or an academic curiosity, if you like, but we don't have a product that is uh, going to be appropriate for widespread clinical use uh, on a global basis, particularly if we're talking about uh, large unmet medical needs, such as, for example, uh, osteoarthritis or stroke. And I think that has been the uh, Achilles heel, if you like, of the commercialization and industrialization of MSCs as therapeutics. And that is the reliance so far on multiple donors and massive expansion of the MSCs that are derived from those donors. And yes, that's, uh, that process has allowed us uh, to get to where we are today, medically, scientifically, and understanding the uh, clinical potential of MSCs as therapeutics. But unfortunately, it has not, in, in our view and in the view of many of the commentators in the industry, has not allowed uh, us to meet that final criteria of manufacturability at commercial scale. The challenges associated in particular with massive expansion are now well described in the literature and the incidence of senescence after relatively low numbers of population doublings has been uh, described by many, many authors and and many authors in turn have indicated that that is one of the reasons why MSCs in later stage clinical studies have failed to excite. Um, Equally, 
we face the regulatory challenge of multiple different donors. And of course, every donor is different, and therefore, it's unreasonable to expect that every cell derived from those donors is different. And even cells derived from the same donor at different times has been shown to have uh, different properties uh, in many, many literature uh, reports. So we have, I suppose, a, uh, a roadblock in many ways to the final commercialization or industrialization step of MSCs, and that roadblock is in the form of manufacturability. Our technology addresses that roadblock. Now that you've brought up your technology, it's a great time for me to ask this question. I wanted to see if you could share some background on your company and then also the science behind your Cimeris technology platform and then how it addresses the key criteria that you just discussed. Uh, Sonata Therapeutics has its uh, roots uh, firmly embedded in the University of Wisconsin at Madison and in particular the laboratories of uh, Professor Igor Slukvin and James Thompson, both of whom need very little introduction, especially to a uh, a cell biology audience. Um, James Thompson was uh, the first scientist to describe embryonic stem cells, and Igor Slukvin has been uh, instrumental in describing many of the uh, developmental aspects of the hemopoietic system. He's an author of over 70 papers. Uh, our technology uh, was uh, first developed at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, patents were filed, and then it was spun out of U Wisconsin through the technology transfer arm of that university, uh, the Wisconsin Alumni Research Foundation, with the establishment of a commercial enterprise, and that, of course, is Sonata Therapeutics. Uh, subsequently, we went on to IPO the company on the Australian Stock Exchange, and, and now, of course, we're moving forward with the development of that technology as uh, potential therapeutics. Could you tell me a little bit about the science behind your Cimeris technology platform and how it addresses these key criteria that you discussed? The, the science uh, around our technology emerged from Professor Suckman's work in identifying the uh, developmental pathway of mesenchymal lineage cells and in particular identifying the biological steps in, in moving from a pluripotent precursor, such as an embryonic uh, stem cell, uh, through to uh, the cells that we recognize now as MSCs. And, and I, I think it's fair to say, too, in, particularly in re relation to the earlier question, that MSC, the definition, uh, constitutes quite a broad uh, series of characteristics, and, and many authors have suggested that it's too broad and that many different cell types uh, are lumped into that categorization of MSCs. But nevertheless, uh, it, it, obviously there is a consensus there that uh, emerged several years ago which provides a set of defining characteristics for MSCs. So with that in mind uh, and with that as sort of a, a background piece of information, uh, Professor Slukvin's work really was designed or directed towards understanding how MSCs uh, are derived. And one of the most important steps there was to identify a particular intermediate called a mesenchymal angioblast, uh, an MCA, which was uh, described in, in uh, Professor Sukhvan's uh, seminal publication of a few years ago, in which he uh, really set the tone, I suppose, for moving forward with our technology. 
So what we now have from that, quite simply, is the uh, biological pathway from pluripotency to lineage-specific development down the mesenchymal lineage, and thus uh, we can define media and uh, processes which allow us to produce or to derive MSCs from pluripotent precursors. Now, of course, the archetypal pluripotent precursor is an embryonic stem cell, but given the controversy surrounding uh, ES cells, we have chosen to move forward with uh, a pluripotent precursor in the form of an IPSC, an induced pluripotent stem cell, which provides us with many advantages, of course, over the uh, ES route. Would you mind elaborating a little bit on the difference between Sonata's Cimeris technology and first-generation methods of mesenchymal stem cell production? Well, that's very easy, and it, it really can be summed up in some ways as just being a, an evolution in technology. The uh, first-generation processes, as we discussed before, rely on donor-derived tissues, and given the scarcity of MSCs in those tissues, be they bone marrow or adipose tissue, uh, a process of expansion of the purified MSCs is also required. So there's two steps or two parts of the process under the current first-generation uh, procedures, and one is a extraction and purification of MSCs from primary tissue sources, and then the second is the expansion of those MSCs in culture to produce sufficient quantities for uh, clinical and ultimately commercial use, and therein lies the challenge that we discussed before. Our technology is a sim simple evolution uh, from that process, and instead of relying upon primary tissue sources, we use an IPSC starting material. And of course, IPSCs have uh, been well described as having essentially an infinite capacity for self-renewal, being a pluripotent cell. And that provides us with an essentially unlimited quantity of an identical starting material. So we have the perfect um, solution, if you like, to the challenges associated with multiple donor-derived material. And so we avoid the uh, regulatory issues we spoke about before. Then, having expanded uh, the IPSC population, we use our proprietary uh, processes to differentiate in a directed differentiation process those IPSCs into an MSC, which ultimately is the finished product. So what we end up with is a much more robust, youthful, if you like, MSC, which of course is consistent every time we manufacture a batch of the product because the starting material is exactly the same every time. So we don't suffer from either the variability that arises from multiple different donors, nor do we suffer from the senescence issues which occur uh, in even modest expansion of MSCs and which has been well described in the literature. So as I said, it's a kind of a simple evolution. It's a little bit like... Um, you know, uh, uh, tailoring of a suit. Uh, one can go to a tailor and have a suit manufactured uh, bespoke to order, small scale, very nice, um, but nonetheless very expensive and, um, and certainly not for the mass market. On the other hand, one can go off to Macy's, for example, and buy a very good suit off the rack. And you can be sure that every time you buy one, it's exactly the same and consistent quality and at a good price point. So 
that's a, I suppose, a reasonable analogy of, of how our technology differs from the first generation processes. And I expect as, as interest increases in MSCs, particularly if the uh, clinical trial data, such as that which we've recently re reported, uh, continues to show that robust, strong and fresh MSCs produce very, very good clinical outcomes, then I'm sure eventually we'll see new technologies uh, down the track, uh, which uh, also provide a, a useful and uh, practical means of manufacture a very, very complex drug product. I really like your analogy with the suit. I think that's a perfect way to describe it. And sometimes it's challenging to find a good analogy. So I, I really like that one because I think it does capture the key issue there, which is a more custom tailor fit cell uh, is much more expensive and doesn't uh, necessarily isn't compatible with large scale delivery of a therapeutic. To that point, I was hoping that you could elaborate on a couple items that you mentioned that I think are really important. The first being the ability to manufacture a limitless supply of mesenchymal stem cells from the same starting material and why that's important. And the second one would be why it's important to manufacture a consistent product. And I know you touched on these both, but if you could elaborate a little bit on why those are such important factors. Well, consistency and reproducibility, of course, is a cardinal requirement for the commercial production of any pharmaceutical product. Uh, the patient, uh, the healthcare worker, the physician, nurses, everybody involved in the in the um, chain uh, uh, has to be assured that the product that the patient ultimately receives is exactly the same as the product they had yesterday or the day before, and whether they bought that product or the product has been manufactured in New York or London or in Australia. So consistency and reproducibility is a cardinal requirement. That's why, of course, uh, the uh, regulatory dossiers for uh, marketing authorization contain extensive uh, information about the manufacturing process, the so-called CMC section. And our technology provides the answer to the complexities, um, or to some of the complexities at least, of a cell therapy product, which of course is infinitely more complex than a small molecule drug, for example, the manufacturer of which uh, uh, can be uh, relatively straightforward in terms of consistency and reproducibility. So again, using the same starting material every time and under a controlled manufacturing process that has now been validated and and well described, we end up with a finished product that is exactly the same each time. And so thereby meeting that, that requirement of consistency and reproducibility. So the patient and the doctor has to be sure that they're getting the, the same product of the same potency uh, every time. And because all of that, is, all of that information uh, is, is embedded in the original clinical trials of that product confirmed to a test to the product's safety and its efficacy. And of course, that can't be guaranteed if each time you make it, it's different. You had mentioned that you're working on a graft-versus-host disease therapeutic. Could you give us a status update on um, your phase one trial and then also what data has been demonstrated so far? Sure. Um, the company uh, sought uh, regulatory approval uh, in 2016 to commence a clinical study in acute steroid-resistant graft-versus-host disease. And that approval was granted and the trial was commenced in sites in the UK and Australia uh, in 2017. 
it's a total of 16 patients, uh, two cohorts, and after the first cohort of eight patients, uh, there was a uh, data safety monitoring board analysis to ensure the safety of the product before proceeding to the second cohort, uh, which um, uh, was a, a higher dose group. And uh, I'm pleased to say that uh, the DSMB review uh, identified no uh, safety concerns, uh, and so the decision of that board was to proceed or to allow the company to proceed to uh, the second cohort, which is now underway, a uh, second cohort of eight patients, and we expect to wrap up the trial sometime uh, in the first half of this year, so in the next few months. In addition to the safety uh, uh, guidance we obtained from that DSMB analysis, of course, we also saw some of the... Um, uh, indications of efficacy, and the patients are assessed at day 28 and day 100, and it was very, very exciting to report at day 100, uh, which is the, the completion of the primary evaluation period of, of that cohort. At day 100, we saw an overall response rate of 100%. In other words, all eight participants in the trial with GVHD showed an improvement in the severity of their disease by at least one grade compared to baseline. And these are patients who typically don't improve. Um, they may plateau, but generally, of course, the disease is progressive and ultimately, in, in many cases, fatal. We also saw, very excitingly, an overall survival of 87.5%. In other words, seven out of eight patients were still alive at day 100. One patient, unfortunately, died of pneumonia, which was uh, considered to be unrelated to treatment. Uh, these patients, of course, are very, very sick, and pneumonia is not an unusual uh, consequence of their uh, illness. And we saw a complete response rate in one half of the patients, in other words, 50%, and a complete response is defined as uh, signs and symptoms of their GBHD condition being completely resolved. So they've moved uh, basically to not showing any signs or symptoms of GVHD. And bear in mind, these patients, uh, again, are, are, were at the time of enrolment quite severely ill, and clearly our product has contributed to their recovery. So again, that was very, very exciting data for us. Uh, admittedly, early days, eight patients, um, but nonetheless, um, very, very clear and solid data, which we hope will um, be borne out in the second cohort of patients when we, uh, and then, of course, the full analysis of the entire uh, study cohort, which, of course, is 16 patients. So, again, very, very promising data, very clear efficacy, and very, very clear safety. And I, I should add that, that safety is a very, very important uh, uh, characteristic as well in this case because there has been some suggestion that uh, IPSC-derived materials may not have the same level of safety is perhaps primary tissue sourced MSCs, but I think that uh, rumour, if you like, uh, by the flat earthists has now been uh, uh, significantly dispelled by, by this data and, and by other studies, uh, particularly in, in animal models where uh, those studies have shown that IPSC-derived cells are, uh, are safe. That is really exciting data, and um, thank you so much for sharing it. I thought I had read, uh, was this an indication that was partnered with Fujifilm for this particular indication? 
That's correct, Brandy. Uh, Fujifilm is our corporate partner uh, for this particular uh, indication for our first product, which we call CYP001, which is indicated for graft-versus-host disease. We entered into a strategic partnership with Fujifilm last year in 2017, and Fujifilm has uh, a global option, license option, to uh, CYP001 for graft-versus-host disease, and that option is exercisable at any time up until uh, we complete the uh, clinical study and provide the report to them. So at some point, we hope that the uh, data will be sufficiently convincing for Fujifilm to exercise that option and to move forward at that time. And if they do, they pay uh, Sonata an option exercise fee of $3 million US dollars and then will pay the company further milestone fees uh, in the course of development of the product and then ultimately a royalty on product sales. Also important in that strategic relationship with Fujifilm is that they will fund the further development of CYP001 for, uh, for GVHD. So all of the costs associated with developing the product will be borne uh, by Fujifilm. So again, a great outcome for a small company with limited uh, financial firepower to have uh, our, our corporate partner fund the uh, further development and obviously the commercialization of the product. And as you know, I think, or as your listeners will know, uh, certainly in Japan, there is now uh, a fast-track path to regulatory approval, or at least a, a conditional approval, uh, at the completion of Phase 2. So given, uh, assuming our, our Phase 1 data continues to show great promise, then uh, we can quickly move to a Phase 2 in Japan and then uh, seek regulatory approval to commercialize the product in that market. So the... Uh, the pathway to getting the product into patients commercially is not that far, uh, not that not that far uh, along, or not that far away. Yes, that that is an exciting development and really interesting to watch uh, how that progresses. There, would you be able to share your status, your interactions with the FDA for this product? Yeah, sure. So we've had a productive. Um, Informal and formal interaction with the FDA, culminating in a pre-IND meeting with the agency last year. And uh, we were uh, very satisfied with the outcome of that meeting. Uh, the FDA provided guidance on the next steps for us uh, as we move forward to uh, filing an IND in the US. And having, uh, the FDA indicated the additional studies that they required, which were uh, uh, fully within our expectations. We were fortunate, for instance, with the uh, UK regulatory agency that they had a, um, perhaps a, uh, um, um, well, a slightly different uh, set of criteria for, for moving into the clinic, and uh, that allowed us to, to commence our clinical trial in that jurisdiction and in Australia fairly quickly. Uh, the FDA, um, naturally enough, has, has a slightly different set of criteria, and we expected that, as I mentioned. And so the uh, additional studies that are required for our IND are presently underway. So we expect um, to wrap those studies up fairly soon and then uh, uh, um, re-engage with the agency and uh, move our U.S. plans forward fairly quickly thereafter. And I was curious if you could share an update about some of your earlier stage programs and other research collaborations that you have. Uh, Sonata has a, a, a 
policy or business strategy of engaging with academic centres around the world who have particular expertise and, and interests in uh, studying the potential utility of MSCs in a range of different clinical models. And, and that, for instance, is what led us uh, to the University of Massachusetts at Amherst, uh, where we undertook the original um, uh, preclinical studies in graft-versus-host disease models that uh, allowed us then to move forward into the clinic. And some of, those, uh, some of that data, uh, we hope, will be published in the near future. And we've also engaged with uh, a group in Australia at Monash University uh, looking at the utility of our MSCs in asthma. And much of that data now has been published. Very, very exciting data there and uh, very, very promising. Uh, we're also working with uh, a group in Australia who have uh, some collaborations uh, offshore as well in another pulmonary disease called acute respiratory distress syndrome and uh, a, a study with uh, a group at Westmead Hospital and the University of Sydney, also in Australia, where we're looking at the utility of our MSCs in repairing cardiac tissue after experimental myocardial infarction or heart attack. Uh, and then uh, also working with uh, a group at Harvard and Brigham and Women's, uh, where we're looking at engineering our MSCs to render them more useful in cancer, in particular glioblastoma, and uh, engineered MSCs, genetically engineering MSCs to change their properties has been an area of endeavor for quite a few groups around the world where some of the characteristics of MSCs are found to be particularly useful, but not um, uh, all uh, useful, particularly in cancer. So turbocharging the uh, MSC with uh, some form of genetic construct has been the goal of, of those groups, and we're working with Professor Khalid Shah and his team in their uh, studies of, of engineered MSCs in glioblastoma. So those uh, preclinical programs allow us to confirm that our MSCs have the, in inverted commas, right properties uh, to ensure that should we move to the clinic, we have a sound body of data to support the potential clinical indication that we wish to pursue. We have yet to make a decision on which direction we'll go to next following the, the GVHD trial that's underway at the moment, but uh, watch this space. Uh, it's something that the company is actively considering at the moment, again, considering that we have some very, very good data in all of those areas that I mentioned before. And I really thank you so much for your time today. Those are all the questions that I have. It's been really informative and very interesting. Um, so I really appreciate that. And I just was wondering before we sign off, if there was any other information uh, that you wanted to share with our listeners today. Uh, no, Randy, I think uh, that pretty much wraps it up. Um, obviously, uh, MSCs have, have been around for a while and, and the clinical potential has long been uh, debated and discussed uh, in, in the scientific and, and medical literature. And it's not unusual that, that we do see with any new technology some waves of enthusiasm and, and despair as, as uh, some of the uh, findings either are, are confirm their utility or, or, or less so. But I think we're now moving forward beyond those, those waves and it's very clear that MSCs uh, particularly from our data, of course, in GVHD, have a profound 
uh, biological function that can be deployed clinically in a range of different diseases. So we're very excited about the potential of MSCs. I'm sure that they're not going to be all things to all diseases, of course, but very clearly there will be some areas where MSCs will enjoy a great uh, clinical uh, opportunity and, and where they will show um, very, very important uh, benefits uh, to, in patients with unmet uh, medical needs. Well, thank you so much. I agree completely. And it's been really interesting watching the industry evolve. And I love hearing about uh, new technologies and also new therapies in development. So thank you very much for your time today. That's a pleasure, Brandy, and, and nice to speak with you. Thank you again. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Cell Culture Dish podcast. To learn more about this and other stem cell and biomanufacturing related topics, please visit us at www.cellculturedish.com or for downstream biomanufacturing topics, www.downstreamcolumn.com.